few months ago, Shopify's engineering have uh, posted this interesting blog, and brilliant, in fact, uh, talking about top 10 tips for building resilient payment system. And uh, I'll, I'll reference the blog for you guys and the description and the show notes. But and each of these 10 tips is absolutely well-crafted just for their use cases. And in this particular uh, episode, I'd like to focus on just one of these tips because e frankly speaking, each one of these tips is its own content, its own article. You know? And uh, there's not much details, but boy, you can extract so much if you understand the fundamentals. So. For this particular show, I'll focus on the database engineering aspects, specifically tip number six, which is uh, to use item potency keys, right? And how they use a unique key that optimizes their inserts and select and queries for item potency keys. How about we jump into it? Welcome to the Backend Engineering Show with your host, Hussein Nasser. This is the show where we discuss the art and the craft of building software and cover recent news on backend technologies. If you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and rate it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. With that said, let's get on the show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, so uh, I talked about what item potency is in another video. Basically, in a nutshell, item potent request or item potent backend is when you send a request and this request is repeatable such that it doesn't change the state on the backend right an example is a get request a get request by definition must be important because if i do a read on a specific endpoint if i send that read twice uh, it doesn't matter nothing changes on the backend nothing should change right uh, post on the other hand by definition is always not item potent, right? Unless you make it to be. If you post, if you insert a row, repeating that insert is basically will change the state. You don't want that. It's not a desired behavior. Right? So if your endpoint says, okay, slash post, and that creates a new entry, for example, let me fix my mic. And of course, Shopify being a payment system, you want the ability to retry a payment 
without actually causing a double spend. You don't want to pay for something twice. That's never fun, right? And the opposite side for merchants, you don't want, uh, if that happens, you don't want an accidental twice of a refund, right? So that's why item pointing is a critical concept. I'm going to reference the video for you guys if you're interested to learn more about that item potency is a very critical concept right? you have to build it yourself you have to configure your backend to be item potent doesn't it's not for free right that's why something called an upsert is a thing right where you insert but if this exists it becomes an update an upsert is an item potent concept okay so let's go ahead and read this blurb and the in this particular blurb they talk about okay the importance of our item potency blah 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 we know right but here's the important thing that i am going to spend uh, the most of the show about just talking about that particular thing because okay? it fascinated me the brilliance of shopify engineering when it comes to database level tuning and data modeling which is very underrated all right, let's, let's go ahead and read this. An item potency key needs to be unique. Well, that's that's important, right? Because in this particular case, when they send a request, they add a key to uniquely identify payment requests. That's how you identify a payment or a request, right? If someone retried the same request with the same key that you know this is an actual retry that's whether happening from the user or from a proxy or from a reverse proxy or from api gateway some any middle layer that does the retry it doesn't matter we know that a retry has happened right sometimes the user go back and then forward and then hit refresh and then you get this message oh do you want to resend it again you say yes and that sends the same technical request uh, ID. Unless you went all the way and generated a brand new request ID and physically wanted to pay again, that's a different story. But most of the uh, the item potency key requests are sent within within a few seconds, right? But what they do here is an item potency key needs to be unique for the time we want the request to be retriable, and that's a very critical use case for them they don't want the request to be retriable infinitely right if you send a request in 2018 a payment request in 2018 it's not gonna live until 2022 that doesn't make any sense it should live within they, they estimate a payment request to live within a 24 hour if you never made a, a payment within a 24 hour it, it was a failed for example on the back end for any reason we can try to retry it within this amount but if after that it says hey you know what all bets are off just do it again right we will email you to say hey we could not retry that so typically 24 hours or less that's a that's something you add as a as a designer an architect we prefer using and here's the interesting part we prefer using an an universally that sounds like a typo a universally unique lexicographically sortable identifier or this thing that's called ulids right so you this is your, called ulid right 
for these item potency keys instead of a random version for UUID. So if you don't know, universal unique identifiers is, or sometimes in Microsoft we call them GUEDs or globally unique identifier, is a certain number of bits. I think 128 bits, if I'm not mistaken, 128 bits. And these 128 bits are guaranteed to be unique. If you can generate them on the device, and then you are 99% sure that's going to be unique, which is a powerful concept. Why do you want to use those? Right? You want to use those because you want the client to generate a unique ID as opposed of a database or a backend to generate a sequential unique identifier. Because you see, sequential identifiers are very powerful because uh, sequence is beautiful in databases. Databases liked or like ordered things. It likes things that are ordered because they can put them on the same page and you can query them and you can, they be tucked in nicely to, to each other. The problem is uh, generating a sequence is very expensive because you have to talk to the database to give you a unique sequence, right? So there is a center point to generating, like almost a center point of failure where we ask someone to give us a unique ID versus the client just generates it and we know it's unique. So that's why UUIDs are very powerful. The problem with UUIDs are they are random, right? Oh, why does that? Why is that a problem? Let's continue reading and continue, uh, and explain that a little bit more. ULIDs contain a forty-eight bit stamp timestamps followed by eighty bit. So I was right, one twenty-eight. Is that right? Yeah, one twenty-eight. If I can do math, so followed by eighty bit of random data. So ULIDs, LID has some sort of an order to them. So the first 48 bit has a timestamp. And this timestamp will uh, uh, will inject some sort of an order to these random UUIDs. What is the benefit of these? The timestamp allow ULIDs to be sorted, unlike random UUIDs, which are not sorted, which works much better with a B3 data structure databases user for indexes. In one high throughput system at Shopify, we've seen a 50% decrease in insert statement duration by switching from a UUID version 4 to a UULIDs for item keys. And that's all what they say. They don't tell you how, they don't tell you why, but I'm here to actually explain why this is the case and why it is faster. Because everything, once you understand how databases work and how the fundamentals of first principle of databases, this is just like reading one plus one equal two. So let's explain that. So you see, you, you, their databases here, they don't spell it out, but it's my sequel, right? MySQL, right? primary keys are called a, a clustered index, which means that if you pick a primary key that is, for example, an integer, a clustered primary key index is the table itself. So what does that mean? If your integer is the primary key, then the index structure 
at the end there is the leaf pages where basically the pointers of where this integer points to is the actual pages of data right so if you have a row one row two row three row four row five row six row seven eight nine ten these are tucked in nicely together in a single page and not only there are the values but every single column in the table is in the leaf page so if you search for the value of seven right you will find seven right and you will find the row seven you'll find the all the columns that belongs to row seven that's how clustered indexes work yeah. and not only you find row seven you get it for row, row find row eight row nine 10 if 11 doesn't exist you can find 12 next to it and not only just the values 12 uh, 10 and 12 and and 13 you're gonna find all the columns and because of this order if you look up for row 7 you will traverse the b3 you find row 7 and you're gonna find any rows that is next to it so if you're doing range scans it is really beautiful right because it's like, oh, give me all the rows between 7 and 12. Oh, that's that's a cheap query for uh, B plus trees, right? And because we are searching on an indexed, a kind of clustered index, not only we find it's almost like an index-only scan. It is an index-only scan in this particular case, right? All right, that's nice. We're reading an integer value, right? And uh, integer values are ordered in this particular clustered index so nice I get, I get all the next values next to it but what if I'm inserting if you're inserting rows 1 and then 10 and then 1000 they are not ordered and you're inserting 20,000 and then you turn around and insert 3 the database must insert the row 3 in the same page that has the 1 right because it needs to order them and not only it needs to order it needs order the index it needs to order the whole row right so the pages must be ordered and the that's the that's the both the advantages and disadvantages of a clustered index so now if we take if we move this into the primary key concept with a uuid which is a random one you generate a uuid which is random it's the table is empty you're going to insert in the first page create a brand new page and you insert it right and then the second uid is also random well we don't have anything else we just have this one and we order it and this one happened to be right after it and then you keep inserting and inserting random random goods right and shifting the results as you find out as the tables start to grow as you start inserting these random goods, you will find yourself pointing to random pages because guess what? There is no order of the, the way you're inserting these things. They are not ordered at all. So you need to find where this random good should live based on their order. It's exactly identical to inserting random integer values. Identical. So if you insert value one and then value thousand and then value three million and then seven million and then you turn around and insert two you need to find the page where two lives that's exactly next to the one right so random insertion will just 
be will cause random IOs. So we'll, we will do an IO, fetch that page, get in memory, which is called also the buffer pool in MySQL, and then put it nicely in memory. And let's just hope that this page will receive another write, which will never write, which will almost never receive another write because everything is random, right? So you get a, get this page, you insert insert that random grid, and then you insert another random UUIDs and guess what it's not on the same page you have to fetch the page that needs to live in you fetch another page you write it and put it in memory so now we have two pages in memory and then another random again it's not on these pages it's another page so you end up filling the buffer pool which is the memory with pages that almost receive just one or two writes that's bad because what happens is you will fill up your memory the buffer pool with pages that are almost never used it's almost you're going to read the entire data with with uuid that's why it's bad that's why inserts are slow right and i'm focusing on inserts because reads are also bad but inserts are the worst because now inserts you have to read the page and then write to the page and then write to the wall which is the right ahead log and then flush the page with checkpoints so not only you slowed down writes because to receive a write you have to read put it in memory and then write to it and if it's not in memory you have to go and do an io so inserts are always almost causing an io right and guess what what if the buffer pool fills up which it will give it a few million requests which shopify easily do in an hour right and then this buffer pool will fill up. So what does that mean? If, if it fills up, you can't even write, right? So what does that mean? You have to flush existing buffer pool pages back to disk. That is a cost. That is an expensive thing it's called checkpointing. Right? It's not exactly checkpointing, but it's part of the writing, flushing back the changes that you do on the data pages to disk. Checkpointing is something else. But when you flush these things, you have to, flush them to disk persist them right and then now that we wrote wrote these dirty pages to disk now we have some free memory on the buffer pool let's read now that random page that this good has happened to live in and then insert it and and you see this thrashing that the database keeps doing which is uh, awful right? so what those guys did was shopify did it's like they realized this big problem with the UID. So it said, hey, we still like UIDs. We, we like the uniqueness of the UIDs. I'm not going to introduce a, a centralized system for to generate unique IDs. That's just an, I mean, you can, but you created a bottleneck, right? All these requests. You can create a microservice that its sole job is to generate unique IDs that are integers. That works, right? And it will guarantee that no two services or or two requests will get the same unique id you can do that but you have to serialize them right and it is it becomes a bottleneck so they still want to use the uid but they will use the ul id which is a timestamp base so these there is there is a, there is an order to this request and the order by time and it works perfectly for shopify why when you generate requests they are time-based 
they are absolutely time-based requests that are generated is definitely time-based so if i generate a new request and i want to write it right in t0 the next request is t1 the next request is t3 the next request is t4 these requests will definitely will be one after the other what does that mean in, in b3 speak in b3 speak if i my primary key is the ulids then i generate the t0 request right and again i'm i'm saying t0 but it's t0 followed by a random number which the most important part is the first part <laughs> to, for the database right it's always left to right and just like indexes combined indexes uh, uh, compound indexes have to go left to right as well right same thing so now you generate request to zero request t1 request t3 t4 t5 and all of these t0 guess what we'll go to this page and then where is t1 goes right in the same page which is exactly what you want so t0 first will say okay i don't have this page let me fetch it from disk put it there and then write to it and then t request t1 comes in it's not random it's ordered so t1 all the request that comes in almost always goes to the tail of the b3 right which is which is good but there's also another problem that i'm going to mention that they don't talk about it here uh that page will receive many writes so t1 will goes to it t3 will goes to a t4 all of these budget pages will until it gets full done leave it it's almost impossible improbable let's say that another request in in the past will just come in out of the blue and then fetches a page from the past and then you cannot insert a request in the past right all requests will come real time right i guess i suppose there is there might be a bug i will call it a bug in the client where the client generates the the ulid but it got disconnected right and then later it was connected after an hour and then used that id that's fine right that's fine sure that is kind of an anomaly where an old request id with an old timestamp will pull an old page to write to it because we have moved on already but the goal here is all the requests that comes in will be nicely ordered the buffer pool will almost have one or two or three pages right and we're gonna write to the tail always write to the tail so writes are fast how about reads reads are also fast because guess what if you're gonna read a request chances that this request you, you id that you just generated is just you just generated it so if you just generated it chances that it is almost always in memory it's a dirty page right so yeah you're gonna read this page that is effectively it's committed in the wall but it's still in in the memory so you're gonna read it from memory so it's already there so reads are fast as opposed to random uids which you just random they have no absolutely no uh order to them right then you're gonna query that and then you have to find the page where it lives and then pull it in memory and just hope that someone else will ask for the same page right but what the, because of their unique use case shopify because of this request the order of the request and the, the order they are come in and the fact that it's 24 hours or less they built this so tight such that this works perfectly for them ulids work perfectly for them what's the problem here there's another problem is uh 
little thing called uh, mutexes and I suppose it's, it's, it's an operating system thing. It's a computer science thing where it's a lock. I talk about pages in my medium and I'm, I'm, make, I'm making another video about it. Just talk about database pages. Very critical concept to understand. Right? Whether it's NoSQL, Graph, doesn't matter. Every database has a concept of a page. Right? And it's different from the file system page and it's different from the SSD page. It has nothing to do with each other. Right? Page is nothing but an in-memory structure. And if you have multi-threading, Right, in your database, which almost you do, right? then multiple threads will try to write on the same page. right? And if you don't do it correctly, you can corrupt your page, right? race conditions and all. So unless you build your structure so that, such that you can have two threads write in the same memory location, which is very hard, you have to acquire something called a mutex. And I think, in, if I'm mistaken, in MySQL, they call them latches or that might be SQL Server, I can't remember. So you have to latch on the page. If a thread wants to write something, it latches to it. And then it writes, and then it unlatches, right? uh, or release the mutex, right? And that constant, if you're writing to the tail, always, if you're like, if there's like thousands of requests always competing for the tail, you're gonna start seeing serialization Right, as, as, as threads being serialized. So you will see slight slowdown for that particular problem, but it's not as bad as having the buffer pool uh, filled up. I think they already realized this problem where this latching happened in the tail. Uh, I don't know if there's a solution to it, to be honest, right? Uh, I guess solutions to be having a little bit of randomness to it, right? But uh, for, for this particular case, uh, yeah, uh, maybe make the make the page size a little bit smaller right so that you have a little bit more pages but i don't know so that they can if you have a large page size i mean because uh, my sql i know db is 16 and i have no idea if they configured that and changed it 16 kb so 16 kb can fill up real quick with with uuids ulids i suppose and i have no idea what their table structure looks like but yeah, it's it's interesting looking at all these things, right? They they actually took full advantage of ULID the first time I've seen a full advantage of ULIDs, right? Now, we're gonna be careful with this, right? So now we know there is a something called ULID and UUID. Is is ULID you you but what I wanna say is don't just use ULID because it's a new thing. I think you still need to fix make sure that it's a uh, uh your use case actually fits it right nicely let's take an example so let's say i want to make a, a url shortener such that i don't want the user to select uh, anything right uh, i just wanted to generate a unique short url based on the ulid so when you tell me, hey, this is a long URL, make it short, I'll generate a ULID for you. Right? And based on that, this is now the short URL. This is, if you use normal random UUIDs, inserts, right? A fleet of people will be creating short URLs, right? And in that particular case, randomness 
will hurt performance, especially in write performance, right? If you use ULIDs, then you can control the inserts because you know that people who generate the short URLs will be generating them one after the other. You're gonna get a nice boost in insert performance with ULIDs generating short URLs. Again, if you have like many, many thousands of requests because this ULD will come in and and the beauty here is uh, actually you can either have the client generate them or have the database generate them. And if you do that, all these keys that come in will will look up where should they fit and most probably they're going to be ordered because right requests to generate new URLs will be in order. And as a result, they're going to all fit in in the nice nicely tucked in page instead of randomly right so that's nice but reads i don't think it's going to benefit you at all just same thing as uid read or will be still random you have absolutely no guarantee in this case to optimize read requests unlike shopify oh shopify actually optimize both write and read because reading they will almost read requests that are within this 24 hours there's no point reading requests from seven years right back <laughs> doesn't make sense because hey we're building an item potency token here urls you have no control over that someone might request a url that you have created a year ago right and in that case you're gonna pull that page so with uid unfortunately a short you are a shortener this randomness the use case is random and there is absolutely no way I can think of to make it better for read request because right? because the, the 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 use case is random the read request is random you have no control of you what users URLs visit right so there's a result is it's just in a random and I have you have to configure your hardware based on that so just this is just an understanding of this I don't don't think that ULID will fix everything for you right so another disadvantage if you will is um, uh, the size right 128 is huge and if you're using mysql in particular not necessarily postgres but mysql will uh, uh secondary indexes point back to the uh, to the to the primary index key so if you're like indexing another field that has nothing to do with the ULID, right? But you, I don't know, you're indexing the date, right? On which this is created. Then this date will create an index and the values, the keys is the date. The values is what? Is the ULID because that's how uh, MySQL actually cluster indexes work, right? As This is the same recently in MongoDB as well with clustered collections so if you're using mongodb and you decided to turn on cluster collections on your collections that is identical to mysql right now so the secondary indexes can blow it up based on the size of the primary key so just just something a fruit of thought to understand these things what's the problem of uh, large indexes like hey i have all the space in the world well you have all the space in the world but you don't have all the, all the memory in the world right if you do kudos but 
large indexes effectively need to be in memory to be effective in reading. So if you have a large indexes with a lot of bloated secondary indexes and you have, I don't know, 10 indexes can really add up and it can slow down writes as well and, and reads mostly, but right. Guys, so this is what I wanted to discuss. A very interesting concept, ULID. And uh, I'll, I'll keep thinking more about it. It's like, where can this break? But most of probably ULID is almost always better than UUID, right? But I'm yet to think about a case where both are actually not a good idea, right? Size is one of them, I suppose, right? But yeah, but this is one of the first use cases that I saw that actually takes full advantage of ULIDs, right? Brilliantly, might I say. So again, good article. I'm going to reference it below in the show notes. I uh, hope you enjoyed this uh, video podcast. You guys see you in the next one. You guys stay awesome. Goodbye.